In the name of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Giver of life. Amen. Uh, today is a, an interesting morning uh, because a lot of things uh, are kind of happening or coming to a conclusion uh, all at once. Uh, really, the whole weekend uh, is an interesting moment. Uh, on Friday, uh, the wider church celebrated the feast of St. Martin of Tours. Um, I'll get to that uh, in, in just a little bit. But also, uh, on Friday, we celebrated Veterans Day. And of course, we are going to observe that here uh, today in this community. Uh, and along with that, we are also coming to the conclusion of our generosity campaign, this uh, campaign that we've been in for the last uh, five weeks. Uh, and then this is also Sunday Eucharist. And so this is a moment where we as a community, uh, as part of our, our, our normal practice, we come together and we come together for worship and for fellowship and formation. Uh, but we also come together uh, in discernment because I think that we're always doing that. That's part of our Christian responsibility to constantly ask, God, what is it that you are calling us to do? How are you calling us to be in this world? And so these are not a bunch of separate realities, separate uh, kind of parallel realities that don't intersect, but these are converging realities here in this moment together. And so when these kind of moments happen, I think it's important for us as a community to really to pause and to reflect and to think about what God is calling us to do in these particular moments. And so for a few moments, I would like to invite you to reflect with me. It was around the turn of the fourth century, there was a young military family that was about to have a baby. And this baby's name would be Martin. Now, his father was a high-ranking military official in the Roman army. And uh, Martin, because of his dad's position, there was an expectation or possibly even a requirement that Martin would also serve in the military when he came of age. At a very young age, about 10 years old, Martin found his way into a Christian community and he began to have a spiritual conversion. His parents uh, were not Christians and they really didn't want uh, him to get mixed up with these, uh, this motley crew, these Christians that were off doing this other thing. And for Martin's life, it would cause him uh, a little bit of conflict because uh, he knew what was required of him, but he felt that he was a soldier in the army of the Lord and did not want to serve in any other army. Despite this, at age 15, uh, Martin joined the Calvary. And I think that this word may uh, create an image in our head that, that's not exactly accurate. I'm not talking about F troop. I'm not talking about blue uniforms and horses, uh, but maybe horses, uh, but this is the Roman Calvary at about the mid-fourth century. One day, during his military service, Martin finds himself approaching a city gate, and he encounters a man there who is likely unhoused, and he is definitely unclothed, and he is out in the middle of the winter, and he is freezing and Martin, without a moment of hesitation, removes his military-issue cloak, a heavyweight garment, and he takes out his sword, and he pierces the top of it, and he divides it from top to bottom, and he shares his cloak with this individual, providing them shelter and warmth. Later that night, Martin went to bed, and while he was sleeping, he had a vision that Christ had come to him and told him that when he provided his cloak, to this individual, he had actually provided his cloak 
directly to Christ. In some versions of this story, Martin wakes up and his cloak is made whole. I don't know if that happened or not. This cloak became an important religious relic. And kings and leaders held on to it and they swore oaths upon this little cloak. And they would carry it out with them into battle as a sign of God's presence with them. And they would build these structures in which to house this little cloak. And these structures were called capellas. The word that we now translate in modern English to chapel. And the priests that were assigned to care for the cloak were called capellinis. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The word that we translate in modern English as chaplain. This story holds personal significance for me because I have served in one capacity or the other as a chaplain for the last 12 years. I've served for several years as a hospice chaplain and then as a chaplain candidate uh, in the Air Force and then transitioning over over to the chaplain corps. And for the last several years, uh, I've served at Randolph and Lackland Air Force Base. And so this, this story for me speaks to me about what it means to be a chaplain and Martin's uh, ministry to uh, what we would probably categorize as the least of these. A few months before I swore into the Air Force, I went to something called MEPS. Does that ring a bell for anyone? Does anyone know what I'm talking about when I talk about MEPS? Military Evaluation Physical. Uh, They put you up in a hotel, (laughs) then they uh, wake you up really early and they take you to a base and you have to do a bunch of things to make sure that you are physically and mentally fit for military service. I had no idea on the night that I went to this particular hotel that I would be the only individual over 30. I was the only candidate there uh, for an officer position. Everyone else that was there, nearly 200 people, were 17, 18, and 19 years old. And they were having the time of their life. They just couldn't believe it. They were having so much fun. And the next morning, I woke up and I watched these individuals about to make a huge commitment with their life, this huge decision. They were about to go through this process and they were going to be sent off to basic military training. And then they were going to be taught how to wage war against other nations and against other people. And I was sitting there watching these young people make this decision. And I don't know that I had this thought at that particular time, but I thought these, these could be the least of these in our community. A few years later, I went away to officer training school, and then I went to a follow-along tour where I would be trained as a chaplain. And we spent about nine days out at Lackland Air Force Base at BMT with these trainees. And I remember going out into a mock deployment with them and hearing their stories and hearing where they had come from. These individuals who were not only young, but also the majority of them who had come out of situations of poverty and great need, and the military was their only or one of their only opportunities to escape this. I am proud to serve as a chaplain, but it is not lost on me that our military in their recruitment targets the young and the poor. And these are the people that we send off to fight our wars. And so once again... Perhaps these are the individuals in our community that we might categorize as the least of these. In 2019, I made the jump from chaplain candidate to chaplain. I got assigned to Randolph Air Force Base, and I went out for my first day of service three months into COVID. The whole base 
was a ghost town. I thought I was the only one there. I woke up so early, I wanted to make sure that I was being seen as competent and dependable and like I knew what I was doing. And so I waited there in the office by myself for about an hour before anyone else in uniform finally showed up. And for a few moments, me and my wing chaplain had a normal morning together. We sat there drinking a cup of coffee, getting to know one another and sharing some stories about our ministry and about our life. About 30 minutes later, our Catholic uh, priest came in, uh, an individual who had prior military service but was contracted to serve and to do Mass at the base, came in, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. He leaned against the doorframe and he said, did either one of you notice anything unusual about the car in the parking lot? Well, I hadn't noticed anything. I was so nervous. It's my first day. I was just trying to make sure that I got there in one piece. And the wing chaplain said that he didn't notice anything either because it's COVID. And right, there's hardly anyone here. This place is a ghost town. And the priest said, I just think that we should go check it out. And so the three of us walked out to the car together. And about 20 to 25 yards out, we could begin to tell that something was wrong. There was an individual either asleep or slumped over on the wheel. As we got even closer, we could tell that the, uh, the rearview mirror with an OnStar system had been ripped out of the ceiling. A person obviously had had some sort of medical crisis, reached for help, but did not do it in time. And as we came around the car, it became clear to us that the individual had died there alone in this vehicle. We weren't sure how long that they had been there. And so we made the appropriate calls, and within about 10 minutes, there was hundreds of people swarming this place. It became a crime scene, roped off with technological equipment and hundreds of people, security forces and crime scene investigators. And the chaplains just sat there with these individuals and heard them. And we listened to them as they did their work, but also we talked to them to see how they were doing, because this is a lot for anyone to witness. We found out that this individual in the car was a veteran themselves, just recently retired. But when they retired, they felt like they didn't have enough money to really get established, and so they had bought the nicest car that they could afford, a Lincoln Town car, with all the bells and whistles. And they had decided to live out of this car, driving from base to base, where they would have access to a shower and groceries, and where they would feel safe within the confines of the base where they could fall asleep at night in their car. I watched as these young men and women around this crime scene likely wondered to themselves if this is where their military service would end. And on Veterans Day and the weekend surrounding Veterans Day, we get on Facebook and we post our pictures, and it's really, really great, and this is how we imagine veterans to be, people who really have their life together, people who have went on to live another life, people who have uh, gone on to be successful at business or whatever else, and we look at these pictures and we hit the like button, but I think that we forget sometimes that this is not everyone's story, that the cost of war for some individuals is high, and there are people here in our congregation that are still carrying this with them. And some people who pulled themselves up by the bootstraps returned exactly back to the place that they had tried to escape after their time of service was over. This morning we've read a gospel passage where Jesus talks about what the end of the age will look like. He tells a story about a king coming to, to divide the righteous from the unrighteous. And the righteous are gathered around him and he begins to thank them. Thank you that when I was hungry, you fed me. That when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. That when I was a prisoner, 
you visited me. That when I was sick, you cared for me. That when I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. And they are all gathered around him completely confused because they never remember seeing him in this kind of condition and they never remember giving him this type of care. And then he reminds them that much like Martin, when they did these things for the least of these, they did these things for him. This morning at this convergence point, I believe that we are hearing the voice of God speaking to us and telling us who we are supposed to be as a community That in the hundred, thousand, million, billion faces that you will encounter in your lifetime, that Christ is present in each face that you encounter. The question is, will we recognize Him? And how will we respond? And so I pray that our eyes and our hearts and our minds will be open to see the face of Christ in the unclothed and the unhoused, in the veteran that has their stuff together and in the veteran who is hanging on by a thread. In the sick, in the hungry, in the thirsty, in the prisoner, and in the stranger. I pray that we are the kind of people and the kind of community that will welcome them. Amen.